Brethren, it's never fun to be in the middle of a trial. It's never fun to be in that place of isolation or seclusion that you may feel. But I remember when I was a kid, and it was brought to my mind a while ago when I was walking through the sanctuary, uh, learning about the Sahara Desert, but learning where life was, and life was where the oasis was. Life was where the water was flowing, where the spring was coming up, and you could always tell where the life was because, or where the water was because that's where everything flocked to. And I want to tell you, you want to know a church that's alive and well, look where the Holy Spirit is moving and flowing, and that spring is, is, is springing up, and there is life there, and people are coming. But in Luke chapter 4, it's a familiar passage of Scripture, and it talks about the temptation of Jesus. And if Jesus was tempted, don't think that you're not going to be. And if you're alive, you understand that temptation comes every day in every form, every fashion, and every way. And we all face the trials, and we don't like them, but we're going to certainly face them. None of us are exempt. None of us are beyond them. But in Luke chapter 4, 1 through 14, and I'm going to read it, and it's talking about the temptation of Jesus, and starting with verse 1, says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit will take you places that you just don't really understand why you're going there. But it is for a reason. It is for a purpose. Jesus didn't go. He was led there. He followed where he was led. Verse 2 says, Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. The devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command this stone to be made it, uh, for it to be made bread. And Jesus answered, saying, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but of every word of God. The devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him to all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All power will I give you, and glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If you therefore will worship me, it or all shall be yours. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of a temple, and he said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. Uh, the devil isn't smart enough to misquote. He misquoted the word, but... He, he said he'll give, uh, to, he'll give charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, said to him, It is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed him for a season. Jesus returned in power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout, uh, through all the region round about. In the wilderness is where you find out a lot about yourself. You find out that you uh, are maybe not necessarily as strong as you thought you were, that you might not be as well prepared as you thought you were. In the wilderness, you most certainly find out a lot about who you are, but more so, you should be finding out just how faithful God is. And you'll find out just how much you need him and that you really need to trust him because that's all you have. Christians, and I'm not talking about non-believers, believers often they find themselves praying about things only when they need it. I'm sure that a lot of people have been praying over this last month or so, and rightfully so, they should be. But what's going to happen when everything seems to go back to some type of normality? 
Will the prayers quit? Will the prayers cease? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the Word tells us to pray without ceasing. And when you're in the wilderness, I promise you, you're going to pray. You're going to pray. Because you've got nowhere else to turn. You're at the end of your rope. You found out that you couldn't do it. You found out that I have made a mess of things and that I'm in the wilderness and I've got nothing. I need a, I needed something. So you're going to pray. A wilderness experience is this. It is a trial of your faith. I want to tell you this morning, the devil don't care what your name is, what you drive, where you live, what kind of income you have. But he does care where you place your faith because there's only three things the enemy is good for. That's to steal, kill, and destroy. And they're all designed to destroy and kill and steal your faith. You don't understand why you're there sometimes, and, and sometimes you may never truly understand why. I don't have to understand why, but I just have to know who is in charge. Sometimes you'll never know why you're there, but most certainly it will test and try your faith Sometimes we find ourselves asking or saying, well, I mean, last week it was all good. I was feeling great. I, I got a blessing. I, it was terrific. I, I, was, I was full of the Holy Spirit dancing around, but so was Jesus. But now here, am I, here I am. Here I am in the middle of this. You can go from here to, to here just like that. It's so crazy. None of us are exempt. We're believers. We're not perfect people. If you're a perfect person, you're not perfect because you're believing a lie. But we can go from one extreme to the other because we're people. And, and your faith is being tested and is being tried. In the wilderness, you get weak, you get weary, you get thirsty, angry, tested, and tried. i got to be honest with you. Summer mentioned it a while ago. I was just a little, well, not a little bit. I was a whole lot fired up when the governor announced that he was going to extend these stay-at-home orders. And I began to compare everything. I was so furious walking through Walmart yesterday. Everybody on top of each other. Nobody social distancing and all of this stuff. And I thought, well, Lord, how many, if they can do it, why can't we? And I'm not here to preach about Walmart. If you go to Walmart, congratulations. I do too. But I'm here to tell you that God has still given us time and he still made an opportunity available for us to redeem the time and we're going to preach the gospel Again, we're outside. If it's too loud, then tough. We got no other option but to preach, and it, you won't have to hear it. I was, I was angry, furious. I shaved my head for crying out loud. Now, that's not why I shaved my head. Uh, I just got tired and couldn't get a haircut, so why not? It may get burnt today, but it's all right. But in the wilderness, you get those, those ways, and you, you feel those, and then the enemy attacks, and, 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 and he'll, he'll begin to talk to you. If the Lord really cared, you wouldn't be in this place anyway. If he really cared about you, you wouldn't have found yourself in this situation. No, the Lord really does care, but we find ourselves in those situations because we allow it to go that far. We do. All of us have had it happen. I, I'm not... Uh, I know I always say I may be the only one, but I know we're all people. All of us have had that happen, and you want to quit. You want to give up, but something keeps drawing you. Something keeps calling you. Something keeps telling you you got to keep going. you got to hold on. You can't stop. And, in fact, you're not even sure how you're still going. 
even sure how you're still making it, how you're still moving forward. And I want to tell you this morning just to hold on. Just to hold on. I'm not here to bear bad news, but I want to tell you reality says that it could quite possibly be July 12th before we have service like we did know it. We're not going to have like we did know it. It's going to be better. It could be May 31st before we can have service inside with some type of restricted numbers. But you know what? We're going to have service every single week regardless if it's inside, outside, in the trees, in the park. I don't care. We're going to have service. 1 Peter 1 and 7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You're going to be proved genuine if you just hold on. 1 Peter 4 verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Listen, what you're going through this morning, what you're going through, what you have faced is not strange. It's not new. You're not the only one. You're not going to be the only one who has ever. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. We like to feel sorry for ourselves. All of us. We get in that place where I can't believe this is happening to me. You're not the only one. I can't believe this. This is just nuts. Trials don't just happen. Listen to me. They are designed by wisdom and operated by love. Your trial is not unique. It's not new. There's nothing new under the sun. The Word tells us, I want to tell you, just hold on. You're going to make it. The purpose of the trial is so that you can be greater in power through the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's a trial. There is a purpose to the trial. You need to know there is a gospel, but there's also a purpose of the gospel. It's to change us, all of us, so that we will be better or more empowered through the working and operating of the Holy Spirit. Back in, in what we just read, uh, chapter 4 of Luke, verses 12 through 14, Jesus said unto them, It said that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. When the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed him for, for a season. There are times that feel like, man, what in the world else could go on? Yeah, if you say that, you boy, just wait. Just wait. I learned to not say, could it get any worse than this? Because, oh, yeah, it can. So he, he departed for a season, and Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee, and there went on a fame of him through all the region round about. God is teaching us consistently if we are in his word. Remember John 8 and 31 says, If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. To be a disciple not only means you are a follower of Christ, because that command never changes. He told them to follow me, but you are also a learner. We, our desire should to be more like Christ, to be more Christ-like. You are also a learner, and if you are constantly in his word, and we, then we should constantly be learning. You should be uh, uh, progressing, if you will. There's not a level of Christianity. You're, you don't go from 1 to 732. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, but we should always be learning. How do you combat the trial? How do you, listen, first of all, you don't combat it in yourself because you're no match for the enemy. 
Jesus used the word. He is the word. He combated the trial with the word. We combat the trial with the word, with our faith placed in the finished work of Christ. Again, we're not in their fight, and it's not mine. It's not ours. We can't. You can't handle it. He may bring you to the trial just to show you again how much you still got to learn. I've learned a lot in this last month and a half. A whole lot. A whole lot of things I didn't want to learn, but I learned them anyway. I've learned more about live stream and computers and technology and things that I didn't care nothing about. I learned that there is uh, there a cord can make a speaker buzz, and, and I also learned that we can set all this up in about 25 minutes. But the most important thing that I've learned through all of this, that God is faithful, he is still my provider, and he will still take care of what he has called out and called to be. But the trial, and if you go on into Mark chapter 4, and there's trials in there, but in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and, and first he begins teaching his disciples about the sower, the seed and the sower, and about what takes place when you sow the seed. Right now, we're sowing seed. Right now, we're sowing seed. Right here on Pine Ridge Drive, on Wood Beach Lane. As far as this will go, we're sowing seed. But he's talking about what happens when the sower sows the seed. Some will be devoured by the fowls of the air. Some will fall on stony ground where the soil is shallow, and it will spring up, and when the sun rises, will be scorched away or, or, or killed because there are no roots. Some get choked out by the thorns, some increase and yield fruit. They all started the same way. They all, they all started with the same circumstance, but how it ended up depended upon where the seed fell. It is not my obligation, nor is it your obligation to determine the soil, but you do need to sow the seed. Jesus goes on to explain the purpose of the parable in verses 10 through through 20 in Mark 4. And then Jesus challenges the disciples in in verses 21 through 25. He challenges them about the gospel. and, And he's talking about a candle, and a candle isn't meant to be covered. It's meant to be set on a candlestick. It's time for the church to come out of hiding, and thank God that this has forced us to. Set on a candlestick. How can the gospel be manifested if it's hidden or kept secret? How will they know without a preacher? I want to tell you the fact of the matter is that everybody that drives by this church ain't going to come in the doors. It's obvious. Everybody that drove by hadn't pulled in the parking lot because everybody don't care to hear the gospel. But without the love of Christ, without the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, they're not going to be, they're, they're drawn only by the Holy Spirit. They're not going to be drawn by condemnation. If you go to verse 24 in Mark chapter 4, he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you who hear shall more be given. Jesus was letting them know. He's letting us know. Listen to this. In proportion to the diligence given to Bible study. I want to take just a moment here and get on. I won't be on this soapbox long. But most people are believing right now what they watch on TV. They only believe what they hear come across the television station because they refuse and are too lazy to research themselves. If you look at facts 
and science, they tell you a whole different story than what's being propagated by media. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the church in the same aspect. Most believers who go, and I'm not talking about here, but just a church as general. Most believers only hear what comes out from that, that behind that pulpit, what they've heard the pastor say, what they heard their mom or their grandmother say. That's the only thing they believe because they will never study for themselves. I'm not lying to you, but I want to tell you, you need to know for yourself. So he's letting you know in what proportion or the diligence given to Bible study, abiding in the Word, so that spiritual, so will spiritual intelligence, if you will, be measured to the student in the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, not because you've read 40 chapters, but because the Holy Spirit is operating in you and through you and opening the eyes of your understanding. And let me reiterate what uh, Brother Terrence preached and has said. If your faith is lying only in your reading, then you are a miserable place because just reading this isn't going to save you and keep you. It's got to be in the finished work of what you're reading about. So he said to them in verse 35, they heard all of this. They were ready to go. They were ready to conquer the world. If you say, just kind of like when you first got saved, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go tell everybody. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, this is all the same day. They were ready to go. In verse 35, he said to them, let us pass unto the other side. Well, you just got me fired up, and now you're taking me somewhere else. But he's taking them to a trial, and we know, and we've talked about this, and and you know this story, if you will, when they sent away the multitude, verse 36 in Mark 4, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm, we know that story, but when you get to verse 40, he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You were just talking about and just just praising and shouting your shoes off and everything else, and now I've told you, let's go to the other side, and you're getting us little old storms, got you all tore up, got you all in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tizzy. I don't even know what a tizzy is, but I think that means you're, you're just irritated. What is a tizzy? Beside your, that's a tizzy. <laughs> Maybe that's a southern word, I don't know, but anyway. He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Could it be that some of the seed that had been sown had fell on stony soil, stony ground? They had already lost their zeal the same day. I don't know about you, but I've been times in my life where I just felt like the heavens had opened and and I was almost in a vacuum seal going to heaven. That's how I felt. And then in the same day, I felt like all hell has broke loose and I feel like killing somebody. I know, man, y'all, y'all are, I just need to get to that place where y'all are. But I'm just telling you the honest truth. The trial was the great storm. The response was the opposite of what most people would think or what most people would expect. They were with Christ, but yet they panicked, just like many of us do. If you read John chapter 15, I want to tell you that you are in the vine. You are in Christ, he is in you. You are with him, he is with you, even in the middle of this craziness. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Joy? Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. 
But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. When you are tried and tested and you come out of that trial and that testing, you'll find out there ain't nothing that I need except for Jesus. I don't need anything except for Jesus. One cannot count it joy until they know what the outcome is. I count it joy in the trial because I know that in Christ I am an overcomer. I know that he is an overcomer, and I already know the outcome. I count it joy. Where are we placing our faith? In the vessel in yourself or the one who occupies the vessel and owns the storm? Where's your faith being? Where is it placed? We go out on the water. I want to. I, I'm not. I'm not comparing a boat to Christ, but the ark was a type of Christ. It typified Christ. The safety of Noah and his family. The, the the keeping of that family was only as good as the vessel was, and it was secure. And in Christ, I'm going to tell you, the storm will rage, the waters will rise, but also the Word tells us when the enemy comes in like a flood, he has already raised up a standard that is against him. But you're going to be tested, you're going to be tried, and guess what? You're going to be tempted. James 1.14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Nobody's exempt. And hear me clearly, temptation is not a sin. It's when temptation is conceived. If temptation were a sin, then Jesus sinned. He did not. It's when lust is conceived that sin is born. There are things in us that need to be changed, but I want to give you a, a, a breaking news flash, and I wish we had something like beep, 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 beep. That would be cool if it would do that on the screen. Breaking news. You cannot change you. I cannot change me. I can talk about it all I want to, but I cannot change me. I cannot transform me. I had a dream. I didn't even tell Summer. I had a dream last night, and I was, we were talking about the church and, and why the church has not been so effective, if you will, in ministry and, and taking it outside of the walls. And I answered this question in this way, and I use Romans 12 and verse 2 for the example because the church has been conformed and not transformed. Transformation happens from the inside out. And until you allow the Lord to change you and work in you and through you, then don't think things are going to change in your life. Don't worry about weeding your neighbor's garden when yours is full of thorns and briars. David, I, 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 I know I refer to this a lot, but David was, was, was considered and is considered a man after God's own heart, but David did not pray for the, everything else to change. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. So when lust is conceived, sin is born, there are things, again, that need to change. You can't change you, but we've got to learn to receive grace through faith. That's how we're saved, by grace through faith. His work is finished. I want to tell you, and I'll remind myself, my problem is not with Roy Cooper. I'm not wrestling Roy Cooper. I'd like to, but I can't. I think I could win, but anyway. 
I, I am not threatening Roy Cooper. Please, I'm not. But Ephesians 6 and verse 12 tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers and darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And if we have Christ, and I do, then we are prepared for the test. I've got to remember my problem is not with a party. It's against what's driving everything. And it's straight up the devil. I can't be mad at people it's the enemy at work i am convinced that the enemy and i know the enemy desires to close as many places of worship as he can but we still stand it when you read in hebrews 12 and and and, and you read 5 through 11 you you read about something that you don't that none of us like is talking about chastening or chastisement Somebody shared a post, and I don't know who it was. It might have been Pastor Chris Dolster. I think it was. And he had a, a picture of a hickory switch, and he said, what y'all know about this? I'm like, I know a whole lot more than I should know. But chastening from the Lord is not, is not fun. And I want to tell you, if you're a believer, if you have not experienced chastening from him, you will. It's correction. He chastens the ones he loves without, listen, without correction, where would we be? But don't look at it as correction, it's affection. This affection is designed to produce a positive impact on our lives. It's, he's dressing the vine. I believe that in this time, this is exactly what he's doing. He's, he's nipping away those dead buds that are sucking the life out of us and dress, not to hurt us, but to make us, read in John 15, to make you more fruitful. The trials we face aren't joy, they're not joyous during the time, but if you hold on, it yields peace, which is fruit. How? Because you understand in the middle of it all, he's still able. <laughs> in the middle of it all, He's still able. You'll understand the next time that a trial comes, though it may be in a bit different form or fashion, you will reflect back when, when this happened or when this came, he was faithful then and he'll do it again. Hebrews 5 at verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Christ Jesus sought out the path of obedience. He didn't have to learn to obey like you and I do because he was perfect. We have to learn this. I knew when I was a child, if my dad said, Jason, I didn't say what? I said, yes, sir. But I didn't learn that because he, he just, uh, when I said what, he, he loved me and said, that is the best answer I ever heard in my life. He said, son, I ain't going to tell you what he said, but he said it with some, some force. But he teaches us constantly and consistently if we desire to learn through his word, through trials, through temptation, through chastisement. And if we'll learn from each one of those things while we're in the desert, 
you're going to grow. You're going to grow. You'll learn to grow. How? By trusting. By trusting in Him. And if we learn from those things, we'll learn that Christ's finished work is finished work, is a finished work, and we are victorious only in that finished work, in Christ Jesus. It's not about the blessing only. It's about learning to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there are many people, Not uh, listen, I know there's a lot of people, but I'm talking about believers. There are a lot of believers that find themselves in the desert today. And they're, they want to get back to the oasis. We don't have cable and, 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 and whatever. I don't care to, but we watch, uh, I, what's it called? The two guys surviving, dual survival, I think is what it's called. But I, I, one of the episodes, they're in a desert, and they're, they're up on a pinnacle. And they're looking, and they see an oasis. And guess what? They didn't get to that oasis by just keeping looking at it. They walked. They went on. Went on to it. I've said this a number of times, but the same thing always produces the same thing. And if you desire something different, then do something different. Trust Him. Turn it all, all, all over to Him. We have to allow the Spirit of the Lord to use us in a greater way than ever before. There is a lost, a hurting, and a dying world that needs to hear the glorious gospel. But if we're only focused on the desert and not growing in it, then all we're going to do is whine and complain. But it's time to, to trust Him fully. It's time to to learn from the trial, to overcome the temptation. You're not going to overcome it yourself. It's in Christ to take joy in the chastisement. The fact is there's going to be trials, the temptations, and if you're serving the Lord again, there's going to be chastisement. But what will the product of those be? Oh, poor old me. I never, not ever one time, ever, ever, especially when my mom would spank me. Ever did I say, thank you, Mama. That felt so good. Oh, man, I was so mad. And I wish I could say not ever one time while it was going on, in, in times past, had I said, Lord, I appreciate you correcting me. Because the truth is this, when we are proved wrong, it crushes our pride. And we have to swallow it. And it may take a, a, a breath, a moment to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for letting me fall, fall flat on my face. Because if I would have kept going, I, don't, I wouldn't have been here. Thank you, Lord, for stripping everything from me because I didn't realize what had become my God. But there's going to be testing and trials, and, the, and what's the product going to be? What will it produce? It's going to produce one of two things, peace or panic. It'll produce worship or whining, praise or pouting, whatever you want to throw in there. It's going to produce those things. But what will it produce in your life? If musicians if you're whoever make their way back uh, you don't all have to if you want to make your all of you can if you want to 
seven years, and I still don't know how to do that very well. But I want you to hear me this morning. Faith, faith, proper faith makes a Christian. Life proves a Christian. Trials confirm a Christian. And death will crown a Christian. We win either way. (laughs) We win either way. Isaiah 43, verse 19 says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to ask you one simple question this morning. If Those that are here, those that are watching, those that will watch. Do you trust Him? Again, the other day when I heard the announcement Thursday, oh, man, I was so mad. But it really went back to, Lord, do I really trust you? Because if my only hope is found and the only joy is found getting back inside these walls and sitting on those chairs and and going through the comforts of life, then my hope is lost. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. If this is what it's got to be for six more weeks, praise God for it anyway. It's going to be better on the other side of Jordan. But if you have a need, I want you this morning just to slip your hand out your window or up if you're standing up or whatever. If you you text it to us, email it to us, post it on there. But I want to tell you, he's here, right out here. He had confined by this building to meet you right where you are. I want you to trust him, and I want to tell you there is growth in the desert. He's not trying you to kill you. He's taking us through this time to teach us, to grow us, to be a vessel that he pours through and uses. I want them to sing this song, and I want you to take just a few moments to worship, and they'll come back up and we'll, we'll pray. But seek him like you've never sought him before, because he's right here right now to move in your behalf.
as strange as this has been for the last whatever weeks, it's okay. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. I want you to know we all love you guys. We love you and miss you greatly. Uh, a part of what we do is fellowship, and it's tough. Don't get me wrong. This is the, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, this is the easy part of what I am called to do. What I love to do is fellowship. That one-on-one -on -one time, that time to interact with each other, and they're telling us you can't do it, but we love you guys, and if there's a need, please let us know. Please call us. Please email, text, whatever. Um, we're here. That's why the church is here. We're not here to build a dynasty. We're here to build the kingdom of God. But we love you guys. We'll continue to keep you updated, let you know what's going on. Um, we're we're going to sometime soon, we'll, we'll have out here in this field, we'll have it fixed up. And, uh, Friday night worship and uh, we just look forward to what the Lord's going to do but be blessed summer will be there if you have anything to drop off taking things up but we love you guys we'll see you tonight 6 o'clock tune in but uh, we'll see you soon